You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Grace, mercy, and peace are all yours in abundance. From our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. What do you know about the cathedral in France that we call Notre Dame. Perhaps you've seen the hunchback of Notre Dame and maybe that's about all you know about this structure. Maybe you've seen pictures of it. Maybe some of you have even been to France and have seen this magnificent structure in person. If so, I envy you. I've never been there. I've only seen pictures of it. But is it ever magnificent? The cathedral in Notre Dame is huge and it is filled with stained glass and it is adorned by statues. And it took a long, long time to build. I want you to imagine for your career you were a mason, and your job was to construct this cathedral. The cornerstone for Notre Dame was laid down in 1160 A.D. Do you know how long construction continued through? It continued through 1345. Imagine you were at work on that giant cathedral day in and day out. After each day, you probably thought to yourself, it doesn't look like anything got done. And I would imagine for a while, it would get a little depressing to know that that building would not be finished until you most likely had passed on from this life unto the next. I see a lot of parallels with the construction of the cathedral in Notre Dame to the work of the church. We have a very tough task before us. Without God's help, it would be totally impossible. What does Jesus charge us to do? Go and make disciples of all nations. Just think about that. That's a long distance, all nations, and that's a lot of people. And God gives us that task to reach all of them. And I think sometimes in the little corner God has planted us in here in Chula Vista, sometimes it can even be a little disheartening to know that we have this task to make disciples of all nations. But there is so much work to be done And it's constant work. We easily become tired. And we easily become discouraged because of the amount of souls on this planet. Because of the amount of souls in our community. And because our limited manpower and our limited resources to reach all of those people. And yet Jesus still gives us that task. As he says... In the gospel, which I just read, the harvest is plentiful. 
There are fields to work on. There is work to be done. Why is this harvest so important? Why do we have to work those fields? Well, Jesus himself gives the answer in our gospel too. And we recall Jesus, and we recall uh, the situation which confronted Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus preached from town to town. He saw these great crowds of people and his heart was moved because he saw they were harassed. He saw they felt under attack. He knew they were helpless. And he wanted to help. Well, how are these crowds harassed? Well, last week we, we had talked about the Pharisees a little bit. The Pharisees looked down on Jesus because he ate a meal with Matthew, the tax collector. And the Pharisees, well, they looked down on a lot of people. They made a lot of rules up to try to protect the rules God had created. And they also judged people as being low in society. And they looked down on people who didn't measure up to their standards. And so a lot of people did feel harassed because their consciences bothered them since they failed to fulfill the expectations of those Pharisees. But these crowds were not only harassed, Jesus says they were also helpless, like sheep without shepherds. What happens to sheep without shepherds? They die. They die because they grow hungry and they cannot find food to eat. They die of thirst because they cannot find water sources. They die because of larger, stronger animals, because they are totally defenseless. And here we see Jesus call this crowd sheep, defenseless sheep, without a shepherd. Why were they in danger? Well, they were in danger because they were infected, just like everyone else, with sin. But because they were harassed by the Pharisees, they didn't turn to the solution to sin, Jesus. Instead, they tried to live good lives. And they tried to be better and better in the vain hope that they could earn eternal life. But that sin still targeted them, and it still brought them down. And we have a lot in common with those crowds because we too are infected with that sin. And that sin, it, it, just, it just totally infects every aspect about us. Just think about that. Just think about the sins where we know we have done what God has told us not to do. And think about those sins where we don't do those things God expects us to do. Think about those sins we commit with our hands, the sins we commit with our eyes, the sins we commit with our words, the sins we commit in our minds. 
the sins we don't even realize. And with all of our mistakes, we then stand before a perfect God, a God who demands perfection. Jesus was right. The crowds, not just located in his time, but the crowds, including us here assembled, are helpless. But because we are helpless, Jesus came to earth to help. Jesus came to earth to win us life. How did he do that? Jesus perished. Jesus suffered. Jesus was in agony. Why did he perish? So you wouldn't. Why did he suffer? Because Jesus couldn't stand the thought of you suffering in hell. And for that reason, Jesus gladly suffered in your place because he loves you, because he cares for you, because he doesn't want sin to kill you. He wants to give you life instead. Think of the joy that fills our hearts when we just consider every last thing Jesus has done for us. Think of the peace we have that only he can bring. You think of probably the most famous passage in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What about those who don't know? And what about those who don't believe? Well, what does Jesus do for them? Jesus sends out workers. And let's just see how Jesus did that within our gospel. Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And God has sent out workers into his harvest field. We saw him send out the twelve. Throughout scripture, we would see God send out other workers into the field. In the Apostle Paul, in Timothy, in Titus, and in, in ultimately, as we look at things too, well, God established his public ministry of the gospel. God calls pastors and teachers to feed God's people with God's word, to reach the lost with the gospel, to bring hope where there was no hope. But you know, God doesn't only call pastors to do that. God calls all Christians. We see from 1 Peter chapter 3 that we are always to be prepared to give an answer for the reason of the hope that we have. We are always to be ready to witness. We are always to be ready to tell people of the joy that Jesus fills you with. And you know, I think God is just so, so brilliant for that. You know why? Because you can reach the lost with integrity. What do I mean by that? I can go up to a stranger and say, come to Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista. I'm preaching and it'll be a great sermon, I promise you. And that would just smack of arrogance. But you can highlight Risen Savior and Chula Vista 
as a place where you are baptized into the faith and made alive in Christ. You can highlight risen Savior Chula Vista as a place where you felt peace after a long time where you felt under siege by guilt. You can highlight this as a place where God's word is faithfully taught and proclaimed so that more may know of the peace that only Jesus can bring. Well, what if they don't listen? Well, what if they do? I think a lot of times we can be like high schoolers with the gospel. High schoolers who have a crush. I like that person so much, but I'm just so terrified of them finding out because what if they say they're not interested? What's the difference? If you ask someone out and they reject you, you have no girlfriend or no boyfriend. If you refuse to make a move, you have no boyfriend or no girlfriend. It's really one and the same. At least by asking, you have closure. And really, we ought to go into spreading God's word with the same zeal and the same realization. We have nothing to lose but everything to gain as we witness with God's word. And you know what the best part is? It's not up to us. It is up to the Holy Spirit who promises to work. It is up to the Holy Spirit who is powerful and who changes hearts that people would have never expected. The early Christian church would have never guessed that this murderer named Saul could become a great apostle, Paul, who reached the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit calls people who we might not expect either. But if we're silent, and if the word is not shared, well then, how is anyone to know? And how is anyone to know who we are to believe in? Well, if we're to reach the lost, what exactly are we supposed to do to reach them? Well, it's nice Jesus answers that question too in the words of our gospel. Jesus says, Go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Jesus sends out the twelve to heal disease, to drive out Satan, and to raise the dead. That sounds a little bit different than the work of the church today. But is it really? We actually have far more in common with that list than we have differences. Does Jesus call, did Jesus call the apostles to heal the sick with their power? No. Who was at work any time the disciples healed anyone? It was God. Do we still not invoke God to heal the sick? To watch out for those who are ill? Of course we do. The only shame is we don't often give God credit for doing a great job of preserving body and life. What else does 
Jesus tell his disciples to do? To drive out demons. Well, when people know the peace of God, Satan is sent running. When we witness with the gospel, Satan has to retreat. And while it's a little different than an exorcism in a horror movie, there still is truth. Satan is driven out by the proclamation of the word. Someone who Satan had trapped can be freed by the gospel. What about that last task? Raise the dead. Do we raise the dead? Well, we don't. But the Holy Spirit, through words spoken, as we quote Scripture, certainly does. And Paul illustrates this so clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. Allow me to read that for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Reality is there is a world out there that is dying. The dead are raised when people receive that forgiveness, when the Holy Spirit creates faith in people's hearts. And for me, it was when I was six days old at a baptismal font, not all that different from this. I was spiritually dead and made alive in Christ. Maybe for you, it was this very baptismal font where the Holy Spirit met you through the waters of baptism. And if so, that is awesome. And that is the dead being raised. Jesus raises the dead when we tell people about Jesus too. And when the Holy Spirit creates faith, they receive that forgiveness. And if someone has forgiveness, they have life. Not in the flesh and blood sense, in this life only, They have life in heaven, also in a flesh and blood sense, where they will live with God in eternity, free from hunger, free from thirst, free from pain, where Jesus will wipe away every tear from everyone's eyes. What a great thing that is, that God does that. Now what about our mission field? Yeah, many of the helpless and harassed may be in faraway lands. And for them, we collect offerings so that we can support missionaries to send Jesus to places where we cannot go. And that's really an awesome thing about offerings. It's not like you're paying a second mortgage. You are paying to spread the gospel. That's a really cool thing. But not everyone who is helpless is in a faraway land. There may be people dying to hear about Jesus who are our friends and who are our families. Can our hearts not break for them? I'm reminded by some words in a plaque connected to the Statue of Liberty. And on this plaque there is a poem which describes the hope of our great nation, the hope that our great nation could be a place which is a place where people can enjoy freedom 
where people can better their situation, and where people can have hope. And I would just like to read that for you. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. A woman named Emma Lazarus penned these words almost 200 years ago. And you just can't help but see her optimism. Her optimism in a better life for some people being found here. But as I see those words, I guess I also, I don't just see America's desire to bring opportunities to maybe those who had none. I think you can draw parallels too to that and to our work. May we bring these huddled masses who live in despair, who are helpless, may we bring them Jesus, the one who is truly able to provide help. May we share that message so they can enter through the golden doors of heaven so that they can live with God in eternity, so that they may be filled with the same joy and confidence which we have now. The harvest is plentiful. The huddled masses, I don't think that accurately describes over four billion blood-bought souls who don't know Jesus. It pales in comparison. But can we not have love for them? How could we possibly ignore them? By God's grace, may we support efforts to send out missionaries and to support pastors so that God's word is taught and so that we are preserved in faith, nourished and alive in Christ. And may we also look for those opportunities which God has given to us where we may share that hope which we know so well from Scripture. The harvest is plentiful. May we get to work. Amen. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your lives through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.